0: Ready to brave the wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey or Joey Owygen. Brave the Wild is available on the com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It's nice to be back on the regular schedule. Second week in a row of that, actually. Believe it or not, Wild had a pretty yucky week here. Uh, I was hoping they're going to go two and one. They wind up going one and two, and boy, those two losses were losses. Uh, the Wild finally make a move at defenseman. A lot of us were wondering, like, what can they do? Obviously, the salary cap is so tight and all that. So, of course, we bring a familiar name back because he was kind of floating around. St. Louis was debating, putting him on waivers, and they did. And he was a guy who went to St. Louis a couple of years ago, and the Wild brought him back. Yes, that's Nate Prosser. Trust the process with Nate Prosser. Yes. And yes, he's a right shot we're going to talk about defensemen extensively today, and where the Wild maybe should have gone in the off season, and oh, oh Lord have mercy, and of course the forwards being a huge uh, problem with the turnovers and the horrible losses and stuff. You, you can blame the defensemen, and there were a lot of mistakes defensively from the defensemen, but there were some horrible turnovers by just about everybody, especially the uh, the fourth line, particularly the Winnipeg game, the seven and, seven to two loss. First, we'll start off with the St. Louis game, 6-3. to Again, we're going to talk about the Wild almost more in general than just game, game, game. But, you know, I say that every show, and I wind up staring at the game, game, game stuff, too. But at the end of the day, well, I predicted Kyle Brodziak would score against us. And, of course, he did. And it was just an awful game. And, yes, Devin Dubnik was not sharp. He's not been sharp for... A while and all that, and you, you go from three shutouts to like thirty goals in seven games. It's ridiculous, or at least that's—it's just unbelievable how many goals you can allow in a period uh, of time. Yep, thirty goals in seven games, just horrendous. I mean, really, and thirteen goals in two games, and well, one of them was Alex Daylock again. Though Alex Daylock did what he could, he missed a couple. You know, he—it wasn't his best game and all that, but terrible turnovers by forwards and of course defense and being out of position time and time again and my god uh, Kyle Quincy there's a reason why the Winnipeg game was his last game because he was just downright terrible just stupid penalties and like he doesn't know what he you know he went from a veteran who knew what he was doing to I'm not sure what he's doing out there I, extremely strange and concerning uh, Charlie Coyle, I thought had a very solid week he added a shorthanded uh, unassisted goal forcing a turnover of getting the Wild finally in the game after the Wild trail 3-0 in the third period. They thought, okay, we're hanging in there, but yeah, we're down by 3. There's still plenty of time. The Wild make those comebacks very often. And you felt good when the game got to 4-3. <laughs> Obviously, St. Louis Kyle Braziak scored early in that third period. Big shocker, and of course, shorthanded. Of course, the Wild on the power play, and then you screw that up. But then the Wild had a couple of power play goals in the game which would, of course, be answered by two power play goals from St. Louis. It's just, that's the kind of day it was, and Mike Yeo just owns this team. Extremely frustrating. Zach Mitchell with his second goal of the year. Good for him, absolutely, playing with <laughs> Daniel Winnick and Tyler Ennis. Oh, my God, that's your power play. <sighs> but that shows you how poorly some of the other forwards on this team are playing. Zach Mitchell, Daniel Winnick, and Tyler Ennis on the power play. Just let that sink in and just sit there and stare at that and think about it and Wow. That sucks. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Um, and just the options this team could have had in the offseason, certain things here and there. Um, some people like Daniel Lennox, some people don't. I appreciate what he brings. But again, I mean, he's he's a limited player. But how much can you complain about a guy making 600000 at this stage? I mean, at least he's not making the two and a half mil, right? So look at it that way. Again, Kyle Quincy made $1.2 That was his salary. And then you look at other players. We'll talk about him in a second as we head into the third game. We'll wait for that as the change gets made there. But bottom line, the Wild lose 6-3 to three in a horrendous game in St. Louis. Again, Dubnik not real sharp, this and that. Um uh, Defensemen, I mean defensive pairing is confusing at times. I mean Riley and Olofsson when they're together, I mean they didn't look good in this game. And I mean you have back and forths situations. I mean, luckily you get a chance to play those guys now without looking over their shoulder, thinking Kyle Quincy's coming, that type of situation. Oh, I mean, it just leaves you at a loss. In in this case, Kyle Quincy was out there. Riley was the one scratched for this game. It was Quincy and Olifson just kind of mm uh, Boy, a, a, a tough situation there. Uh, and, of course, the defensive pairings back and forth over and over again. And then, ultimately, you end up losing Jared Spurgeon for a while, which will be over two weeks now as the updates have come out. Jared Spurgeon playing in his last game. So, then you head into the Winnipeg game, and right away, they say, oh, Jared Spurgeon won't be playing <laughs> coming into the game. And it's like, oh, boy, here we go. And here we did go indeed. A 7-2 to loss to the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, that's freaking awful. Just, uh, freaking awful, yeah, to say the least. Uh, really. Yeah, 7-2 to to the Winnipeg Jets. Sure, they've been playing better and everything, but this was ridiculous. Of course, November the 27th. Monday, November the 27th. Just north of the border here, not that far away, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yuck. Just yuck. Like, really? But Alex Dalek's a net. He's sharper than Devin Dubnik lately. It didn't matter. I mean, you know, when you're turning the puck over and guys are out of position to the level they were in this game, it really didn't matter. And that fourth line was freaking horrendous. I mean, Matt Collin, Felino, and Stewart, sure, they paired up for a goal and they put the Wild up 2 to As The Wild actually led 2 to nothing in this game. It's like you look at it and you can't believe it. The Wild actually were leading in this game and I still remember the positive feeling like, wow, we're going to be all right. And next thing you know, just four minutes later, the game was tied and the floodgates never closed the rest of the way against seven unanswered goals by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, there was a point in this game where, uh, where, inexplicably, a 41-year-old veteran, Matt Cullen, I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, a lot of your diehard fans that listen to the radio and obviously watch the game too, I would hope, uh, just Matt Cullen skated behind the net? I mean, really? And that was on goal, that's what made it 4-2, to two, skated behind the net and you're just staring and like, why would he do that though? Like, you, you just screened yourself. Why would he do that? And I don't know, it's like sometimes when you get frustrated, maybe you don't trust other players on your line, you don't trust the, some of the young defensemen out there, which always tend to get beat, on, on this team anyway. Is, was it a lack of trust? Is it just the, the IQ of the team has gotten so low as rubbing off, or what the hell? Because Matt Cullen, that's not Matt Cullen. I mean, it was like his evil twin or his stupid twin. Uh, Matt Cullen doesn't make plays like that, but he did. And he has not been good most of the season. His defense has not been the same. He's been an ever-reliable player who could be on any special uh, team unit. Of course, power play, penalty kill, and 5-5, five and five, or 4-4, four four, whatever. he had been a valuable guy now. Uh, Boy, it's just the whole morale of the club clearly sinking in a huge, huge matter. Now, of course, Chris Stewart finally scoring again for the first time in forever, actually scoring his first goal in a while, uh, fourth line. Matt Cullen getting us fourth assist of the year, it's about time, right? And felino has been, he's been tacking on assists here and there, so he's actually had nine points on the year, if you can believe it. And the Goose got his first point of the season, the Goose, Gustav Olsson. On Jason Zucker's early goal, which is extremely exciting. Team leading 13th goal of the season. But then again, seven goals in a row and one mistake after another. Kyle Quincy looked like a guy who doesn't belong in the NHL. A guy who maybe doesn't belong in the AHL. I mean, really? And it's just situations with the salary cap, right shot, left shot, this, that. And the frustration continues there. Uh, Matt Dumba pulled a Randy Moss. Also, at the end of the first period, squirting one of the uh, Winnipeg Jets with a water bottle, he pulled a Randy Moss. Randy freaking Moss. (laughs) Back in 99, I believe that was the St. Louis Rams playoff game. He squirted the referee, I believe. Yep, when the the Vikings were getting blown out by the St. Louis Rams after a positive first half. Kind of similar to that game, in a way, where the Vikings gave, what, 50 points in that freaking game. Um, 50 freaking points. I mean, my God, your great-grandmother could play better defense than that. And I think your great-grandmother could play better defense than the Wild did in this game. I mean, try as he might, the effort, the energy of Alex Salak, it didn't matter. I mean, the guy could have killed himself out there with how hard he was trying to stop the bullets coming his way. It was one golden opportunity for Winnipeg. Just handed to them after another on a silver platter and boy, do they dine in, and there's a reason why they're in first place right now, and there's a reason why the Wild are not even close to first place. We're lucky the Colorado Avalanche have dropped off and returned to their rightful place in the division, but Nathan McKinnon's still one of the leading scorers in the NHL, though, so good for him, because he got the uh, player of the month. How about that, Nathan McKinnon? Good for him. As much as we hate the Avalanche and hate Nathan McKinnon, well, we love him on our fantasy team, or whatever it is, or... (laughs) and, well, you know, good on him for having a nice comeback type of season, but uh, that cross-checking penalty by Kyle Quincy, and he couldn't believe the call, and it's like, yeah, okay, it was pretty stupid. I mean, really? It was just no point. What was the point of it? I mean, it wasn't even anywhere near the puck. There was no reason for it, like, stupid, and that helped get Winnipeg going. Overall, just a yucky son of a biscuit of a game. Same group out there defensively. No, Ma- no Mike Riley or what? Quincy. Uh, you ended up bringing Ryan Murphy up for Jared Spurgeon, who is of course a right shot. And now we can talk about the right left, right left, and the reason why uh, the reason why Susie and Sealer aren't up here. I mean, we've wanted Susie so badly, Nick Sealer, and then Susie, of course, and of course, yes, he's our friend Carson Susie, who played for the Duluth Blue. I keep calling them Blue Devils, the Duluth Bulldogs. I'm never going to get that Blue Devil thing out of my system. Maybe I'll just call them Blue Dogs, I guess. They're going to be like uh, the Blue Ox, but they're Blue Dogs. Nah, that doesn't work either. But yeah, Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy, who I talked about on the last show, he, you know, how he'd been emerging and been kind of getting caught up back to where he was hopefully supposed to be once upon a time as, you know, he, he was drafted by Carolina. 12th overall in 2011, Ryan Murphy, a lot of positive feelings for him coming in to the draft that year. A lot of people felt good about him. He's from Ontario, ultimately, well, Ontario, Aurora, Ontario, 24 years old, so still got time. Not the biggest guy in the world, but again, the reason why he got called up and not Carson Soucy or Nick Sealer, well, I mean, is because he's a right shot, but also The reason why Menel didn't get called up is because, well, obviously Murphy's been in the NHL. He's had extensive time in the league. He's had some 10-point seasons here and there. He had a 13-point season in 14-15 in only 37 games. So he is a point producer. It's just his inconsistencies are why uh, Ryan Murphy has not lived up to being a first-round pick thus far. But again, there's still time. He'll probably never become what some people thought he was going to be. Because some people thought he was going to be just a stud. I mean, he had 79 points in the OHL one of those years as a defenseman. 48, 54 points. Just very productive offensive defense and trying to be like a, like the next Larry Murphy out there, maybe. Larry Murphy, right? Ryan Murphy, Larry Murphy. Mm-hmm. Not sure there's a relation. I don't think there is. They don't, he doesn't look anything like Larry Murphy. And if there is, I apologize. Maybe, maybe his uncle or something. Who knows? But um, Larry Murphy, the great defenseman for Calgary and St. Louis years ago and uh, Detroit, not Calgary, I'm thinking about Al McGinnis, I'm going crazy, Larry Murphy was with the Washington Capitals, the Minnesota North Stars, Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Detroit Red Wings, there we go <laughs> that makes more sense yep, Minnesota North Stars who the, the North Stars traded for Jim Johnson Jim Johnson, yep, Jim Johnson and Larry Murphy, remember what team was he on in the 91 Stanley Cup Finals was he on the, uh, the North Stars or the uh, uh, or the Penguins <laughs> I think Larry Murphy was a little bit better than Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson, yeah, that guy did nothing. Just he—he he was like a fourth-line nobody at best. I mean, he wasn't even Zach Mitchell. I mean, give me a break. I think Zach Mitchell is better than Jim Johnson. You traded away Larry Murphy, a Hall of Fame defenseman. Ah, oh, idiots! Idiots! And that wasn't Lunani. Lunani was the one that acquired Larry Murphy for Dino Ciccarelli after that incident back in the late '80s. <laughs> The pants down. Caught with his pants down. Literally. What's the point of this conversation? I apologize. So, yes, Larry. Oh, Larry, here we go. Ryan Murphy called up. More experienced than mental. And I would have loved to see mental. But, of course, that's where where things get interesting as well. Because the Wild need that right shot defenseman. But right at the moment. Well, Olofsson and Riley are both left shot. But, yeah, I mean, you still have Spurgeon. And Dumba, of course, they're on the right shot. Murphy right now is the third uh, right right shot. But things get interesting now. Nate Crosser has been brought in off of waivers as the Wild put Kyle Quincy onto waivers. And again, the situation as to why, like I just said, Susie and Sealer are both left shot. And you already have Suter, Brody, and Olofsson left shot uh, defensemen. And again, I guess at the moment, and Riley, of course, who, who, who has been playing on the right shot of late, with Olofsson. And, you know, they looked okay. They looked better in that uh, Las Vegas Knights game. Las Vegas Knights. Golden Knights game. They they looked better. Uh, Riley and Olofsson looked good. You moved Dumba up to the uh, the top pairing with Ryan Suter. They got scored on when they were out there, but it wasn't really their fault necessarily. Uh, You know, it's just, you know, one of the shots was far away, that type of situation. I can't really blame the pairing. I thought they looked okay out there. Like, Dumba was solid. Suter was... Uh, I I don't know. Uh, Suter, I I don't think he had his best game against the Golden Knights. But I thought Dumba looked a little better. You know, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He's slow to this, that. And then offensively, he's very aggressive. And I thought he looked solid out there. And good on him. He uh, was able to factor in the scoring as we can get off this Winnipeg game as quickly as possible. But those are the situations. Um, uh, But the thing you come back with here, though, the situation with signing Kyle Quincy to hopefully get him to play right uh, right defense, but of course he was like not comfortable with it, didn't want to, He was there was some friction with him and Bruce Boudreaux, that's another reason he was let go but um, really the 1.2 million, and then you sit back and look at this and Christian Follin, do you remember that name? Christian Follin, the guy who was pretty solid pretty solid Swedish defenseman there or is he from Finland? Pardon me, <laughs> he's he's Finnish. Uh, pretty solid Finnish defenseman. He was paired up with Brodein at times last year, right? He was the right. He, he's the right shot, and you could have just kept him for eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred thousand for Folan, who was a solid stay-at-home defenseman who didn't get you killed ever. The guy was always there. He was always solid. He wasn't perfect because there is no perfect defenseman. For less than a million dollars, and you sell Kyle Quincy for over a million dollars, when the guy was washed up, I mean completely washed up, that's something you just sit back, you think about that for a minute, you analyze it, and you're like, like what the hell were we thinking? Uh, was he demanding $1.5 million or something, but then had to settle with L.A.? But that can't be possible because he was signed on the 1st of July. There was no wait. L.A. just scooped him right up we can get this guy for eight, eight, 800000 get him, you know? I mean, so he's, uh, he's on the bottom pairing. So what? He's a very valuable defenseman in that sense as a bottom pairing. You're not counting on him to score, and he's not necessarily the superstar, you know, or even like a Willie Mitchell type of defenseman, you know, an anchor. Not a superstar, but an uber-valuable defenseman who I'd love to have, at least on our second pairing years ago. Now he's too old, unfortunately. Damn it. <laughs> now he's 40. But years ago, I would have loved to have him. Mm. But you have Christian Follin, 800000 I mean, that would have filled your need right away. You wouldn't have to go pick up uh, Prosser off of waivers. But you know what? Prosser is an upgrade over Quincy at this point, and he's resuming his role. He's the seventh defenseman when needed, of course. The other good news, now, of course, again, Carson Soucy and, and Steeler, they have every right to beat out Olofsson or Riley. And I think that possibility exists, at, at, at least for one of those two. is probably going to make the team one of these days. Uh, and, of course, if anybody gets hurt, Suter, Brodeen, which you hope don't, or Olofsson, or even Mike Riley, don't be surprised to see Susie or Seeler called up. Riley is a, is a left shot, but he hasn't been playing right of late. because So so maybe Riley would get just replaced by a right shot anyway, but who knows Who <laughs> at this stage. And, of course, Prosser would just go in right away, uh, depending on how hurt somebody is. But if someone gets hurt or their play superly drops off from the left shot, you will see Seuss or Sealer Right now, that's not the case. Like I said, Menel though. Brennan Menel, Iowa. And, of course, we'll talk about them later, too. But when we talk about the prospects, it's going to get interesting as well of where there is a possible very exciting solution at the right shot defenseman in the system, in the system, and the way he's been playing for his college team of late. He's a guy I've been featuring lately. You could probably guess who it is, but I'll talk about him in segment number two, when we talk about the prospects, but uh, that's where things can possibly get exciting at a later date. Let's talk about the Vegas Knights team a little bit here. Dragging the segment a little longer, but you know, I had a bit to say about the whole defenseman situation, and that's why that uh, Sue Susie, and Sealer have been stuck in the AHL at the moment because well, there's a lot of left shot defensemen, and that's kind of been a story for a while. Most NHLers shoot from the left side, even if they're right handed. Um, I would shoot from the right side, so there you go, but I'm 38, and I, yeah, let's just say I don't think I'm NHL material, (laughs) I don't think so, Uh, nice game by Eric Stahl, he did get an empty netter to get to the double-digit mark, he had his first goal, which proved to be the game-winner, fun game, Mike Riley, with a wonderful pass over to Grandland, with the one-timer, the Vegas Golden Knights hit the post four times in this game, and young Supan, the younger one, (laughs) the younger brother, of him being P.K. Subban. Of course, Nashville Predators, the star uh, defenseman to replace Ryan Souter and Shea Weber. Of course, Shea Weber off to the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, sir. And of course, Suter coming via free agency. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We're stuck with that salary cap until health is over, by the way. But Malcolm Subban, he was pretty pretty solid. Subban, Subban, pardon me. He was very solid in the net. Good for him. Um, there's another Carlson in the NHL, just like the star. Of the uh, Ottawa Senators, this one's William Carlson. So you got all these kind of these you get you got all these names here that are similar to others, and of course, very familiar ones in James Neal, Eric Holla, and Alex Tuck. Those, of course, Minnesota ties. We all know that. <clears throat> James Neal, though, he's been a twenty-goal scorer for seven years in a row. He provides a lot of offense. Luckily, he wasn't able to score in this game. <laughs> Eric Holla wasn't able to score. Alex Tuck played eighteen minutes out there. Good for him. On the second line, good for Alex Tuck. Second line, first line at times, even on the power play a bit. He had a solid overall game. Only got the shot of, uh, only got two shots on that ultimately though. Um, Marshalt was very good in the game. Six shots on goal, but again, so many posts hit and luckily for Devin Dumnik, the the post is the goalie's best friend. Uh, even Mr. <laughs> Mikhail Granlin, who finally opened the scoring late in the second period, he hit the post too, but it hit the correct side of the post, the left side in this case, and an awesome one-timer. Mike Riley with a Mike M- Mikhail Granlin-like pass over to him. That was really impressive, and uh, I've liked Riley a lot more this year. He's a little bit more sure with the puck. That's the one thing. He gives up turnovers when he's not so sure with the puck at times. That's usually when you see the turnovers out of Mike Riley. But more solid. And you feel more confidence from him now, too. Like, he's probably not going to get scratched as much. And, you know, he's doing okay on the right side there. Good for him, even though he's looked on as a left shot. He did a very good job out there against the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe Mike Riley will be able to hang on this time around. Uh, Braden McNabb. Yep, that was a bummer. First goal of his season there. And Matteo with his first assist. And then Marshall, who kept knocking on the door, he finally was able to score ultimately his ninth goal of the season and then Brodeen, it looked like it was tipped in from Niederreiter but it never was it was actually tipped in from I forgot the guy who uh well uh, it was tipped in from a obviously a Las Vegas uh defender which one was it uh it was uh I think it was yeah it was was Bissa if I remember correctly yep it was tipped in well it happens you know thank you for the tip (laughs) thanks for the tip right that's what you could say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it tipped chipped upward past Suban. Good for us. And then a great pass from Dumba. Actually, it was a shot on net. And then it's just a quick, easy little tip in from Mr. Eric Stahl. And then he was able to just put up the perfect little shot. Barely just just kind of gently slid it down the ice. Was able to get the empty net shot. Mikhail Granlin could have ended the game a little bit earlier. Was he able to... Uh, <laughs> like, if he actually took the shot, but he didn't for some strange reason, which was mysterious for all of us. But then, you know, just the accuracy of these guys, it's just insane. You just realize how skilled these guys are. It's crazy. Uh, Charlie Coyle, I thought, had an awesome game overall. I've I, 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 just been very impressed with what he's been able to do. He didn't get any shots on net, but he was physical and he was solid. Um, he did shoot the puck and he did uh, set up other players on uh, numerous occasions as he's been the third-line center for pretty much the whole time he's been in there, occasionally playing a little wing with special teams or different situations coming in, maybe in the middle of line changes, stuff like that, when you can't do a complete line change. But an overall not-so-bad game. Um, the defensive pairings of late have been Matt Dumba, Ryan Studer, of course, uh, Brodeen on the left, Murphy on the right, Olafson on the left, Riley on the right. And they did a good job in this game. It was just an overall team effort. Doomnik was awesome. Uh, Dubnik had a spick spectacular save after he gave up what you think would be a good rebound, not for the, the Vegas Knight to score, but for to, 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 to get the puck away so you could keep the clock moving and you know you don't have to have a dangerous uh, faceoff, which could lead to a quick goal, that type of situation. That's usually why goalies don't always like to freeze the puck. But then he made a spectacular save with a stick, just insane. And Ryan Murphy saved the game as well. A unbelievable Last second, dive and stop with his stick. Save Literally saved a goal, which would have tied the game up, and things would, could have been quite different. You never know. Maybe the Vegas Golden Knights get to the shootout and win the game somehow because things just do not go our way. Lucky bounce, this or that. But there was Ryan Murphy looking like he belongs the last couple games there. He's only been on the wild for two games, but he's done a very good job. You're not seeing mistakes. He's, he's aggressive offensively as well, and he's been solid. Stay-at-home, solid defenseman. And then Mike Riley and Gustav Olofsson have been good. Matt Dumba, 26 minutes out there with Ryan Suter. Crazy, only 30 seconds less than Ryan Suter. And I thought he looked pretty good out there. Give him credit. And, of course, very aggressive. Six shots on goal. All of them are like, keep peppering whoever that goaltender is. Matt Dumba's got a really nice shot. And he's also got a, that crisp. He's also very capable of making a very crisp, accurate pass as well, as long as he just doesn't make a dumb decision Matt Dumba can be pretty good, and it seems like you put him in that role, and you put him with a guy like Ryan Suter, you feel, he feels more comfortable out there and more confident. And this is something that Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux should have done earlier, and it's frustrating because you, maybe you should have Spurgeon with Brodine or, or even Ryan, uh, not Ryan Murphy, or even Olofsson, something like that. Maybe you want to give Olofsson more time out there and help him build some confidence stuff like that. I mean, why do you have to have the top guys together all the time? You want to split them up on occasion, maybe have uh, the, other, the other one on the uh, second pairing, and maybe you don't have to have Suter out there for 27 minutes. Have him out there for 23, 22. And then you have Spurgeon, 23, 22. Well, gosh darn it. And then it's simpler that way. Guys aren't gust like Mr. Uh, Mike Yo would always say about Suter was gust. And yes, that's an ongoing bit on this show. <sighs> so, that was an interesting, fun segment. Only three games, but there was so much to talk about there. Um, that fourth line, though, whew. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, they've a, they had a nasty week. They were better, though, in this game. Nobody's perfect. It wasn't the best game overall for... I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't a perfect game for anybody necessarily, but a fun, positive type of game. Hopefully, the Wild can bring this momentum into St. Louis one more time as the Wild now will be hosting the St. Louis Blues coming up. Whew, that's going to be fun, right? So <laughs> we'll talk about that in segment number two. Let's pass out the awards here. It's going to be kind of tough. One award, one demerit, of course. Uh, the Mike Madonna Award for this week. Uh, you know, Eric Stoll had, uh, had a nasty turnover, and he had a two—he nasty turnover in, in the Winnipeg game. Even in the St. <laughs> Louis game, he had to, you, just, you know, again, nobody had a perfect week, a great week. <sighs> I think Matt Cullen, though, I'm going to give Matt Cullen the uh, James Shepard Memorial. Yeah, it's a guy, I'm going to give it to him. I thought he had a very, very rough week, and he's the, he's the captain of that fourth line, and he didn't look good out there all week for the most part. He was okay against Vegas, though, so we'll, we'll take that at least because of the Vegas Golden Knights. Matt Cullen will be getting the James Shepard Memorial, the Mike Madonna Award. It's tough and you could give the whole thing to the fourth line, frankly, for this last week. It was a terrible week for them, even though they did factor in one of the goals. I've been impressed with Zach Mitchell, but he's not a he Mike award type of guy. Uh, Ryan Murphy, just the last two games, I thought he was solid enough. He's almost up there. Uh, I'm having a hard time who to give it to right now. Uh, I'm going to give it to Granlin and Stahl. I think they both had a very good week. Granlund again, he's going to get another one. He wasn't perfect, but he was solid, and he was a factor, this and that. So Grandlin and Stahl will get the Mike Madonna Award for this week. So we'll take a quick break, preview three games, and talk a bit more about the prospects after this. <laughs> the wild second segment let's preview the next three games here oh goody we get to play the st louis blues oof oh i'm gonna look at some of the numbers on the current club really quick though just a quick update on points and everything eric Stahl leads the leads the way with 23 points in 25 games 13 goals for zucker 21 total points cramlin at 16 in 20 games he's at a pretty strong pace of course spurgeon is going to be missing time that sucks but Hey, keep keep it up. To the, the current six out there, keep it up. And of course, number seven, Nate Prosser. He'll be making a debut at some point. But uh, you know, I say leave it alone for the moment. Nate Prosser's resuming his role as a seventh defenseman. But um, you know, the good thing about Nate Prosser is he doesn't get he he doesn't get you killed. Um, Stewart's climbing his way up to nine points now because he was at eight for like eternity. So finally, Chris Stewart scored after being lackadaisical defensively out there on the uh, back check the, the last week here. Just awful, and he's been weak all season, quite frankly. That's a guy, I, you know, hey, <laughs> there's players down in the AHL dying to come up. We'll talk about them in a little while. And I think maybe like a, you know, Justin Kluse Chris Stewart, Justin Kluse Chris Stewart. Yeah, somebody like that who's been doing a hell of a job down there. And, of course, luckily, Zach Mitchell has had his shot right now. And he's he's looking, uh, he's looking okay. Suter's been stuck at 14 for a while. Niederreiter's at 12. He didn't score at all this last week, unfortunately, after a red-hot week-and-a-half stretch there. Coils at six points in nine games. He's been good. He's been very good. He was a strong candidate for the Mike McDonald Award. In fact, I almost should have given it to him. Ah, shoot. Uh, almost, you know. <laughs> Maybe you could even include him. But three guys for the Mike Madonna Award, that's kind of goofy. But... You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take Eric Stahl out and give it to Coyle because he's been better than Eric Stahl. So a little addendum and a rata there, you could call it. I don't want to talk about the St. Louis Blues. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of the St. Louis Blues. I hate them so much. Do we have to talk about them? Because just don't feel like it, right? Yeah, they just beat us 6-3. to I just talked about them last week. So just same thing. Same thing as last week, right? Okay. Yeah, they're in first place and I don't want to deal with it, right? 5 o'clock, kind of a, you know, heading into dinner time, you know, on your Saturday night. Hopefully, the Wild don't make you not want to eat. But I don't know. Uh, it's a home game. That's helpful. Will Carter, Carter Hutton be in that? Probably not. The Wild did a good job against him last year, from what I remember. They beat up on Carter Hutton pretty good. Jake Allen? Yeah, we beat him in the playoffs in 2016. No, 15. 2015. It's been that long already. Wow. Um,. Yep, same guys, obviously, da-da-da-da-da. You know, Kyle Braziak always seems to find his way to score against the Wild, and it's really annoying. Obviously, Paul Stansy, like I talked about, he's finally been healthy. He's played all 25 games. When's the last time you could say that about Paul Stansy? Amazingly, though, the St. Louis Blues, they took on the California curse. That's what I'm afraid of coming into this week as well. The California curse. The Wild never play well against the, the Kings and the Anaheim Ducks on the road. Sometimes, sometimes the Kings, the Ducks... Well, at least we have a coach that knows them well, so it helps. In the past, when the Mike, yo, Todd Richards, don't even get me started. And then, of course, uh, Mr. Jacques Lemaire, you know, Jacques Lemaire out there, you know, we worry. When we go to sleep, we worry. When we dream, we dream about being worried, so (laughs) when we get up, we worry, you know. (laughs) I love that guy. I screwed that up, but that's okay. Vladimir Tarasenko, 28 points on the season. Believe it or not, not even the leading goal scorer because it's been Jaden Schwartz who Reminded us how good he is. Uh, 32 points on the season. He's on pace for about 90 90 points to 100 points on the year. Don't know if that's going to keep up, but I don't know. Um, St. Louis Blues losers of of, uh, three out of their last five. So come on, guys. Uh, They got shut out by Nashville the game before Minnesota. Of course, we were their last win. They crushed Edmonton. They crushed Minnesota, but then they lose to Nashville, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Back to Minnesota today, December the 2nd, you know, Minnesota's got to make this statement. This is a statement type of game. You know, you're going on the West Coast. You want to be hopeful the Wild could come out of this week 2-1. and one. Will the Wild go to the West Coast and win? Well, yeah, yeah. So you head to San Jose also. So you start Southern Cal, head to Northern Cal, and then slide up into the mountain zone into Calgary, Alberta on Tuesday the 12th, which there might be a snow nami around that time in this area, according to Dan Verrero. That's no, Nami, That's what he calls those. Uh, I'm getting really weird here. You know, it's like the Wild, uh, they've been so far inferior to St. Louis this season, so far inferior to Winnipeg. Then we beat up on Nashville. There's only two points behind St. Louis, three points behind Winnipeg. I mean, why can't this team be slightly more consistent, you know? Like their their defense was bad as the Minnesota Timberwolves like last week until the the Las Vegas Golden Knights game and I, I do trust momentum here, I think I, I have a sneaky feeling the Wild are going to win this game three to two four to two empty net situation something along those lines, Dubnik will more than likely be a net. You saw stronger defense. You saw Dubnik being much more sharp. Uh, he wasn't giving up stupid rebounds. Now, Subban gave up that rebound again to uh, Eric Stahl, which was helpful. Uh, not P.K., but of course, Malcolm Subban. <laughs> Maybe one day they'll play together. You never know. Um, P.K. Subban to the Vegas Golden Knights. That would be more cool than, uh, of course, uh, Subban, uh, Malcolm going to the Nashville Predators. <laughs> I'd like to see P.K. on the Golden Knights Actually, That'd be kind of cool, uh, but we'll worry about that when the time comes. I'm going all over the place. I apologize. I um, apologize. I've got a sneaky feeling though that the Wild are going to bring a little bit of that momentum in, and if they don't, well, that's a quite a shame because th- those six defensemen looked really good. You know, I mean, they they weren't perfect, of course. Suter and Dumba weren't perfect out there, but Dumba looked really solid. He really did. He looked like a different guy when he's playing with uh, Ryan Suter versus you know even a even a even a Marco Scandella. As good as Scandella was, Dumba it, it just seemed like he was reckless and stupid. When he's with Suter, it seems like there's a little more control out there. He's probably a little bit more worried to make a mistake, yet he can be more aggressive offensively at the same time because he knows Ryan Suter is a steady, solid defenseman, obviously, to go along with Suter's offensive capabilities. I like that combination, and Boudreaux has said he wants to keep them together. So I I just have this sneaky feeling the Wilder are going to turn the corner a little bit. A little bit this week. I've got that feeling. Um... I think the Wild are gonna win three to two over the St. Louis Blues. Again, it's hopeful. Things have not gone well with Yo and the Wild so far. It's a it's a hopeful type of thing. I mean, you know, sadly this is probably the most likely game the Wild would lose. Of course, Anaheim is a tough one. It always is. But I mean there is that Boudreaux connection which makes things interesting. But I have a sneaky feeling the Wild will continue the momentum here and win a three to two hockey game over the St. Louis Blues. Most likely guy to score for Minnesota in this game is going to be Charlie Coyle. He's going to he's going to get his second goal of the season against the St. Louis Blues. I, I just have that vibe. Los Angeles Kings on December the 1st, Tuesday December the 1st. This is going to be an interesting game. Will Darcy Kemper be in net or will Jonathan Quick keep uh, will Jonathan Quick be in net? Remember last year we never even saw the guy. It was Peter Budaj most of the season until he got traded to the Campbell Bay Lightning later in the year. Ah uh, boy. Mm. Well, Jonathan Quick, I mean he's back in the swing of things. He is back. And Darcy Kemper's been spectacular in the seven games he's, he's been out there. He started five games. He's three and oh is Darcy Kemper. One shout-out on the season. Goals against average one point eight four. Save percentage about ninety-four percent. Jonathan Quick save percentage about ninety-three. Goals against average just above two and a half or two and a quarter, pardon me. Outstanding, two point two seven. Twelve and eight on the season is Jonathan Quick for a very resurgent Los Angeles Kings team. A lot of us thought the Kings were going to drop off. The Vegas Knights are now in uh, second place, but they have two games in hand. Again, that's a uh, they're two they're 4 points behind the Kings in second place, but again, two games in hand. The San Jose Sharks have three games in hand. We always like to talk about that in the NHL. Anzi Kopitar leading the way 28 points, Dustin Brown who I don't remember him being this, this solid of a story. I remember him being more of a physical guy, but yeah, you know, 21 points in 26 games, he's been pretty solid for them. There's a quick quick drop-up after that. Drew Doughty, obviously, well, he's one of the great defensemen in the NHL. He's always been there. Marion Gabryk has only played in four games, yet he, he's managed to get two goals and two assists in that time. So productive in the four games he's played, and that's about it. Uh, the former mentioned Marion Gabryk. Remember that guy. <laughs> so Obviously, uh, OK team, Michael Camilleri, he's been all over the league, the, key of the Kings and all the, oh, the Kings, the Calgary Flames, the Montreal Canadiens, the New Jersey Devils. He's been all over the NHL everywhere, but Minnesota pretty much. He provides a little bit of that veteran stability and that scoring capability from the third line at this point. But uh, watch him score against us. Um, why do I have a sneaky, strange feeling Darcy Kemper is going to be in net? But then again, maybe they don't want that. Maybe the Wild would pepper the crap out of him and beat him. The Wild would figure it out. Recently, the Los Angeles Kings beat the St. Louis Blues 4-1. to That's pretty impressive, actually. So, I don't know. And the Kings had won four in a row. They'll be playing the Blackhawks before they play the Minnesota Wild. Maybe they'll keep that streak alive as the Blackhawks are right down with the Wild. They're trying to knock on the wild card door, believe it or not. And that's about it. Chicago really having a rough go. Uh, The Kings lost to Arizona. Out of all the games the Los Angeles Kings played, they lost to the Arizona Coyotes. What the hell is that? Then they beat Anaheim, Detroit, Washington on the road, and St. Louis on the road. What the heck? Yet you lose to the Arizona Coyotes. Okay. Talk about inconsistent. This is a winnable game, but the way the Kings are playing right now, I don't like it. And if Jonathan Quick's in net, I don't like it either. I think if Darcy Kemper's in net, that could be the secret to the Wild victory. And it could be Darcy Kemper coming back to the pack. It's like, put it this way, if Darcy Kemper's in net, like if the Kings get creative and put Darcy Kemper in there to see see what happens, Darcy Kemper's either going to get a shutout in that game or the Wild are going to crush him, like four or five goals. But I'm guessing it's going to be Jonathan Quick because he's one of the best goalies on the planet um, and his numbers show it, and good on him for being healthy again, as he missed pretty much the whole year last year, after the first game of the season, and that was it, I mean, season opener, and then he never came back, um, did Jonathan quick, oh boy, it's a tough one, I'm gonna pick a loss, I think the Los Angeles Kings beat the Minnesota Wild, unfortunately, this might be a stay-lock game, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, just for the sake of mixing it up, but if Dubnyk is that good and you get an amount of days off like that, maybe you keep him in there. If Dubnyk is red hot and helps the Wild beat St. Louis, like put it this way: if Dubnyk gets beat badly today, Staylock for sure will be a net against the uh, Kings on Tuesday. Uh, two days off: Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday. Pardon me, off. You will see uh, Mister Staylock a net. That. that one will be on NBC Sports. That's the Tuesday night special. So very cool. Nine p.m. Love those West Coast games on NBC Sports Network. Ah. Oh. I love those games. They're so fun. Honest to God. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I love it. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Kings to beat the Wild. Unfortunately, it's going to be low scoring. This is a more of a defensive team, obviously. Good goaltending. 3-2 to two win type of situation. Maybe it goes to shootout or, or overtime, something like that. But I think the Kings beat the Wild. 3-2. to two. Most likely guy to score will be, for, for the Minnesota Wild, of course, will be... Eric Stahl will get his 11th goal of the season if he didn't score against St. Louis. 11th goal of the season by Eric Stahl against the Los Angeles Kings. Now we quickly shift over to the Anaheim Ducks Friday the 8th on the road, of course. Staying on the West Coast, the Wild will also head north to play the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But we won't be previewing that one at this stage. The Wild will stay in the West Coast or the Western Conference anyway for quite a while. And then finally had to uh, host the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday the 14th. Anaheim Ducks, I think the Wild can beat them. Uh, they're not doing that well this year. And, of course, you have the familiarity with Bruce Boudreau and the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim Ducks at this stage, only five hundred twenty-six points in the year, 11-11, and 11. and their goaltending situation stinks, quite frankly. Uh, Jonathan Gibson, up-and-coming stud goalie, And he stinks this year. Goals against average about three. Save percentage is kind of high, actually. It's not bad, considering he's faced a ton of shots. The defense in front of Gibson has not been good. So it's kind of like Dubnik's situation in a sense. The Kings, uh, excuse me, the Anaheim Ducks have lost four out of their last five. Yet they beat the St. Louis Blues. What the hell is up with that? So the Blues have had some weird losses of late. Uh, The Ducks are having trouble scoring. Big time. Uh, One goal against Winnipeg, one against L.A. They got crazy. Peppered and destroyed by the Chicago Blackhawks, seven to three. They get three against St. Louis. They finally get three goals against somebody, and they beat the Blues. And then a four to two loss to a good Columbus team. Uh, eventually, they'll play the Wild. After playing Nashville, Vegas, Ottawa, and then you play the Wild. Uh, familiar guys, of course, Jacob Silverberg. You know Corey Perry, Andrew Cogliano. Cogliano, a lot of like that guy. Uh, Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm. But a lot of these guys, there's been a huge drop-off. They do not score at all. Their leading scores is 18 points a game. That's not the worst thing in the world. But, I mean, the Wild are outscoring them big time. Corey Perry's way down, only 17 points. Cogliano's third on the team with 13. So they're giving up goals, and they're not scoring. I, I absolutely think the Wild should win this game. This is a very winnable game. Four, I think the Wild win this one like 3-1, to 4-2, to two, something like that. I I feel positive about this one. Devin Doomnik more than likely will be a net in this game. Uh, more than likely. I'm picking a solid game for Doomnik. And again, put it this way, if the Wild lose this game, uh that's that's a that's a stinger. And you've gotta beat this team. They are going downhill. Uh, the ducks are really dropping off. I, I think they're at that they're at that stage where they're gonna be rebuilding soon, I think. A lot of their star players are getting old or just kinda of, just kinda of getting past their prime. You always have the celery cap issues. And Gibson has not been good, and the guys in front of him have not been good either. So Minnesota should win the game. Final score, 4-2. to two, Most likely guy to score against the Anaheim Ducks is going to be Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba is going to score a goal against the Ducks. Old Darkwing Duck himself, Matt Dumba. <laughs> I don't know why I think of Darkwing Duck and Matt Dumba, but it was something he did a couple of years ago. So was against the St. Louis Blues, and I still think about it. It was some movie, did where it looked like it was Darkwing Duck grabbing his cape or whatever. So Darkwing Dumba, who makes the uh, will score a goal in the game, and he's been solid this season. His offense has been catching up, has been Matt Dumba. So Minnesota wins four to two over the Ducks. I'm I'm actually almost leaning towards three to one, but it'll be a two goal victory, a solid win for the Minnesota Wild. And a 2-1 week, maybe you lose to St. Louis, but I'm pretty sure the Wild lose to the Kings but beat the Ducks. The Wild will beat the Ducks, the Ducks, the Ducks, the Ducks. And again, if they don't, that's a crappy, crappy loss. Let's look at the prospects, if humanly possible. In Iowa, starting things out, Pat Kanani, Kyle O'Reilly, career minor leaguers leading the team down there. But Kyle Rau has had a very strong couple weeks. After coming back from injury, started off the season hurt, and he's just been on a tear. 12 points in the 17 games. Justin Clues added an assist last night. He'd been on fire for a while and quieted down. He's at 12 points in 21 games. I remember, Ryan Murphy was on a tear. He's all he, he got all the way up to 11 points in the 18 games he had played down there before getting called up to Minnesota. Good for him. Sam Manos keeps adding assists here and there, goals here and there. He's now at double-digit points in the 15 games he's played. He also started out the season hurt. Mario Lucia, finally got his fifth point got a, he finally got his fourth assist last night the first time in weeks about a month mario lucia finally got his first point and of course he'd been out for a while as well carson susie and sealer added a point the last week as well they're both at four points on the season those are the two guys we all want those left shot defensemen and you and neck has been like a freaking mario lemieux down there five points in five games he's been outstanding at the time he's been down there. He's been scoring goals and getting assists, and Luke Cunning got his first assist since being sent down last night. He'd been scoreless in the first three games he had returned to the Iowa Wild. Remember, he started off the four games with Iowa at the beginning of the year. He scored three points in those four games and then had been quiet upon getting sent down there of late. Uh, Alex Grant has emerged as well a bit. He's a, he's a right-shot defenseman as well, but he's much older, 28 points. He was a fourth-round pick by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Just had a cup of coffee with the Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. Never played for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so I kind of see him as more of a career minor leaguer, but maybe you give him a shot if need be at the right defenseman at some point. Right now, it's Ryan Murphy and eventually Brendan Menel. He is now at nine points. He tacked on an assist last night as well on the empty net goal by uh, Christoph Berchi, who's been really picking it up of late as we, you've heard interviews with the coach and such. Um, like he he he's at 9 points in the 20 games he's played. He had two goals last night. So good on him, Christoph Bursky. Uh he's he's been picking up in the scoring, but also they've been saying how he's just he's been very solid. He was a 6 round pick from the Wild a couple of years back. And he he got a cup of coffee with Minnesota the last couple of years. He played three games in 15 16 five games last year. Got his first NHL assist and then he's played in one game this year, believe it or not, with the Wild. I barely remember that. And he had four penalty <laughs> in that game. bersky has been doing a lot of the, uh, he's been doing a lot of the little things that don't show up in the scorecard down there in Iowa. So they've been very impressed with him, along with Nick Steeler. People just rave about Nick Steeler down there. Of course, the former Gopher. Talk about him in a second. Christoph Bersky though. Sixth round pick in 2012. I, I talk about him on occasion. He is from, from Switzerland. He's from Switzerland, Fritzburg, Switzerland. And again, he's been solid. Uh, of course, yep, Carson, uh seriously, we already talked about him, but yeah, Nick Steeler, he's already 24 years old, but again, a bruising defense, and fifth round pick in 2011, again, it's that left shot, bummer, you know? <laughs> Otherwise, he might have been called up by now, because the Wild need that kind of a guy. They really need that kind of guy. Brennan Mennell, more of a uh, Spurgeon type of guy, he even models his game after him. So, that's where the excitement comes in with uh, Brennan Mennell. One day, just might make it to the Wild. Another guy though, who I think is a Fantastic chance of being on the wild at one point, and he better be because I think he'd be a disappointing draft pick if not. Frankly, 2014, 80th overall pick, third round. I talk about him almost every show now. Louis or Luis uh out of Skokie, Illinois, of course. Miami, Ohio University. He gets points every week, every week 15 points on the season, 10 assists. He's the captain of the team, he's the leading scorer of, of his team. He's had a breakout year over there. Only a couple more points, and he'll have his career high already. And he has just been outstanding for my Miami, Ohio, and the NCHC, a conference the Gophers could have been in still, but or or could have been in if we didn't move to the Big Ten. Of course, WCHA is basically dead and gone, done and dusted, as they say in Australia, which is really sad. Like every everybody either went to the Big Ten or NCHC, and now the WCHA is a bunch of just mm, you know teams you don't think of very much. Also, Belpedio had been double-digit minuses. Well, of course, his freshman year, he was outstanding. 15 points, and that's what helped him get drafted back in 14. Well, yeah, that was right before he got drafted. He had a career year there. His freshman year dropped off a bit, was kind of quiet, and he missed significant time last year with injury. So who knows what his numbers might have been last year if not for the injury. But he's already at 15 points, him being Belpedio. He's a plus three on the season. And the good news of him, he is a right shot. Let that sink in. Luis Belpedio is a right shot. And you know how, again, Dumba and Spurgeon are right shots. So you look at those two guys. Those guys, as long as the Wild don't trade either one of them away at any point soon, particularly Dumba, you never know, they might trade him. As much as you might think of Ryan Murphy, and of course, Nate Prosser, he's what he is. He's the seventh defenseman, generally. Maybe sixth or seventh defenseman, that kind of guy. And there's nothing wrong with keeping him around as long as possible because, you know, he's not killing you in the salary cap. And if he's a steady, solid guy who can just be there to help you out when need be and not complain, not complain about his role, not be a bitch in the locker room, that type of thing. Well, maybe that right shot defenseman is Luis Belpedio coming up in the next year, year and a half, two years, whatever it is, maximum, I think. Um, that could be the guy. Uh, he, he's got a bit of Spurgeon in him as well. He's a shorter guy who can provide offense, but he's also a solid defense, and he's a two-way guy, and he made some spectacular saves <laughs> Here <laughs> He made a spectacular save, just like Ryan Murphy at one point, uh, not too long ago, a few months ago. Just awesome play um, by Luis Belpedio down the stretch. He's been capable of making great defensive plays and, of course, setting other players up. Uh, Belpedio, uh, to me, yeah, he's probably that guy, I think. Again, because you're filled with left shot defensemen. Belpedio, right shot. So, again, let's keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as you go forward. Into the future here, Alex Tuck still at 10 points for the Knights, but of course that's all. That there was Jack Sadick has not been scoring, but he, you know he's solid out there. Again, I, I compare him to kind of like a Skandela, solid guy who can provide offense when needed. He's capable of it, but they generally have him stay back because Lundgren is the offensive guy on the top pairing for the Golden Gophers. Jack Sadick of the Gophers, seventh round pick 2015. Always been happy with him. Jordan Greenway's quieted down in his scoring. He finally got an assist again. He'd been real quiet. He's at 11 points now for the Boston University Club there. 16 games for him. 7 assists. More of a playmaking power forward than a goal-scoring power forward. So again, keep note of that. So The Wilds have been filled with playmakers over the years. Uh, as uh, Mr. Where did he go? Uh, Dmitri Sokolov. Sudbury Wolves, of course, he would missed some time, and then he'd been quiet, and then he had a multi-point game last night. So good on him. 31 points now, 15 goals for OHL there. Lodnia, the most recent guy, Erie Otters, also OHL. He continues to provide a lot of offense for the Erie Otters. I love that name. 30 points, 15 goals, 15 assists on the season in the 27 games he has played thus far he continues. Uh, Kapo Kalkanen keeping his goals against average under two, still over there in Finland. Gotta love what Kalkanen brings, and I think he will be on the wild one day. Absolutely. So I think that's pretty much about it for what I want to cover right now with prospects. Most of the other guys, they're either in the, a- the uh, ECHL or such. Just um, here's another thing to think about, though. Dylan Labe, so he was a fourth-round pick the same year as Carson Soucy, and he's in the ACHL and he's he's got as many points as Carson Soucy in the ECHL. So again, give 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 that some thought at how Carson Soucy's a better pick than Dylan Lobby. You know, you could go on with that forever. Of course, the year Gustav Olsson was taken, the Wild missed out on Mr. <sighs> Jake Gensel. That's heartbreaking and extremely frustrating, but again, you know, that's just the way it goes. You can't I mean, you know, hindsight is 2020. The good Gustav Olofsson does show some promise, though, out there defensively. He, he gets in the right spot, and he's able to move the puck forward at times as well. So hopefully Gustav Olofsson can uh, continue to develop. Thus far, so far, only one assist in the 16 games he has been out there. But, eh, you know, he's had some not-so-good moments. He's had some okay moments. Still developing, luckily, and I think the Wild have some faith in him. And uh, Mr. Chuck Fletcher did mention that the whole move of getting rid of tell Quincy was about giving Mike Riley and Gustav Olofsson a chance now. This is their time. This is their time to prove themselves, and if not, well, Ryan Murphy, obviously, well, he's here for now until Spurgeon comes, and then somebody's going to get sent down. Maybe Olsson, maybe Riley, or, or Murphy, and then you got Louis Belpedio on his way up at some point, I gotta think. Uh, by the end of this season, Louis Belpedio, depending on how well Miami does if they get into the tournament, NCAA tournament, and how far they get if they get there. Uh, Belpedio will be on the Iowa Wild immediately. At that point, I got to think if the Wild don't sign him, shame on them. But no, they they will, and Louis Belpedio will be on Iowa, starting out, and then it's going to get very interesting, very quickly. I think maybe as soon as next year, Louis Belpedio will make his NHL debut, and then things get extremely interesting there. As the Wild, there there is hope. That's the good news. There is hope in the system. It's not quite as dry as some may have thought. I remember last year with Belpedio's injury, it just, it felt it felt it felt really dire, and of course you, you already had Follin, which is kind of sad when you look back at that, but again Foley is boring, that's the thing. Belpedio might be a bit more exciting than Foley. Proster's boring, yes, but again, he doesn't get you killed, where Quincy was boring, and he sucked. Um, Olofsson, so far, has been boring, and he's okay. Uh, Kyle, excuse me, Mike Riley, sometimes you're starting to see a little bit of that offensive ability and less of getting you killed, hopefully. He's a little bit of a mad Dumba, I'd say, but lesser version of both sides of things. Hopefully less version on the mistakes, too. Ugh, okay, well, somebody's probably going to get traded at some point, and hopefully not again for another horrible trade like the Buffalo one. That one's bugging me, and it's bugging everybody right now. The Buffalo Sabres trade, because again, you signed Felino for about $3 million a year for the next three years. What's the point? You could have got, got some type of halfway decent defenseman for that or maybe a better forward for that. I mean, Brunette didn't even make $2 million a year uh, years ago. So sheesh. That's just, you know, you let that sink in. When Brunette was a 50-point guy. Uh, I don't think Felino's ever going to get 50 points. I don't think Tyler Ennis is ever going to get 50 points. And he's making almost $5 million a year, is Tyler Ennis. So again, that's stuff to think about. Let's look at the uh, Twitter account quickly, at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild, if humanly possible. And as we wait for that to load, I'll mention the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild. Do Your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. If you could, it would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> and of course, there's the call now button on the Facebook page, which we'll talk about in a second. Call now button on there, which goes through the phone line through Facebook Messenger, so you could be from anywhere in the world or get through and do the same thing. Head coach Mike Riley. <laughs> fired in Nebraska. That's just funny. Mike Riley, wait, what's going on? No. <laughs> just seeing something pop up sorry that's funny mike riley wait a minute no. <laughs> wild yeah duh uh, but no that's how you get in through the facebook messenger that way through the facebook page the wild facebook page of course that's going to be in the show description how to get to the facebook page and i'll mention it in a second there is the final route is the audio submission route use the free voice recording app on your smart device treat it like a phone call and save it and email it to paladino live at yahoo.com. Paladino live at yahoo.com. Again, that will also be in the show description for this episode of Brave the Wild. I want to thank Hockey Podcast for retweeting the show. Thank you very much, always at NHL Podcast, at NHL Podcast. I believe Vince Germano retweeted it as well. I don't know where that went, though. I know he did because I always see it happen. So I just—I'll mention it anyway. Thank you, Vince Germano, for retweeting the show because I know he did. For some reason, it just doesn't show up in here sometimes, and it's kind of weird and confusing. Yet it does show the NHL one. Go figure. There it is. Yep, he did. Thank you, Vince. I really appreciate you, brother, out of La, uh, Australia. We'll also hear from a guy from Australia, Daniel Allen, here in a second. Or is it Benny Allen, Daniel Allen? Yeah. It's like a back and forth. There, it's the same guy. he there? Was some bid at a wedding? I believe he mentioned so facebook.com forward slash brave the wild is the facebook page and it was loading and it went away on me don't you just love when that happens uh well please do give a follow to that page i was talking yep i showed the louise belpedio and yep and they talked about uh kyle quincy placed in waivers so, here's where the f- couple replies come over. I was talking about of uh, the wild. Once again, claim Nate Prosser off waivers to be the right shot defenseman. Benny Allen says, what is the bloody fascination with him? And I understand, and it's like we knew it was going to happen, too. Yep, me and uh, Mr. Daniel Allen were talking about that. Here it is. Yep, Benny Allen was saying, oh, please don't pick up Prosser. And I was saying, I agree, but that's probably where they'll wind up. It's like we want Susie, but the problem is again. The left, right. That's the reason. That's why things happened the way they did. It's not because necessarily guys aren't thinking over the Minnesota Wild. It's just the the positional situation. I posted how Jared Spurgeon will miss at least two more weeks with the groin injury as of yesterday. Benny Allen says, and Benny Allen is out of Australia. He says, thought Murphy had a good game, and I agree big time. And he had an even better game against the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Murphy was solid against the Winnipeg Jets, which sounds funny. As awful as that game was, he was solid in that game. He didn't do anything wrong in that one. It was uh, it was some of the forwards. Of course, the Matt Collins, that didn't help. The fourth line sucked. They had three goals given up in that game. Luckily, they managed to score one. I couldn't believe it. Kurt Back says WTF. He couldn't believe it. Again, out of White Bear Lake. I kept getting him mixed up with Lakeville. I don't know why. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says not good. Evan, Evan out of I'm not sure where he's from, but interesting uh, font there. He says, yikes, he's our best player. I agree with that. Justin Ryan Back says, need to get the young guys to pick it up and Murphy to continue off of last game. And Murphy was awesome. I was saying how it was encouraging, and I hope it continues. Uh, I'll, I'll be talking about some exciting guys in the system. Justin Ryan Back says, Susie and Sealer would be interesting to get looks from even mental. And yes, I can't wait to see any one of them on this club. I was telling him how, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm waiting for that day. And again, I was saying, how oh, it's the whole left shot versus right shot thing, but Menel is a right shot. So may, maybe, maybe Brendan Menel will get on at some point. It's going to be between guys like, you know, and it depends on how much the Wild like Matt Dumba, how much they want to keep him around. Are the Wild going to trade Matt Dumba? Maybe you'll see Menel and, and, uh, Menel and Belpedio up here. Though, of course, all three of your white uh, right shot defensive would be shorter guys though. So that's one thing to think about when you sit down and think of it, they all be very similar, so that's the one situation, I wish one of those right shot defensive was a bigger guy, because even Ryan Murphy is only, what, 5'11", right, 5'11", 185, it's just medium size, you know, he's not that big uh, like you got Steelers, 6'2", big, bulky, and then of course, Mr. Uh, Susie was like 6'4", he's a beast, so that's a guy you need to have, you need to have that anchor 6'4", 210, in Carson Susie. But again, left shot. So maybe you make up for the shorter guy if you get Carson Susie up here. Uh, but that means maybe at some point you trade away the goose or you send the goose down to Iowa. If Susie's better than the goose, Gustav Olsson. then you make that damn move. You know, so that's the situation there. Susie versus Olsson, I think, right now. As far as I'm concerned, Susie versus Olsson. Olsson's a taller guy too, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of bulk and, and size out of the the goose at this stage. So That's something to sit down and think about as well. So there you go there, you know. Yes. So that should wrap things up. I already mentioned the phone lines and such. Please write a positive rating if you could, a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher if you could. I'd give you a huge shout out and a thank you on the air. It would be greatly appreciated. Please tell your friends about the show. The numbers have been getting better of late, and I really appreciate it. And whoever's been telling their friends, thank you. And keep interacting. You know, guys like Justin and Evan, and of course, Mark Carlson, Kurt, and Benny Allen. You guys, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, taking some time to post on the page and and enjoying the show. Don't be afraid to call in at some point either, if you could. Any one of you, don't be afraid to call in. You're more than welcome to do so. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're international or not. There's the call now button and all that. And of course, I already mentioned everything, including the email address, which will be in the show description. You can copy and paste that. So this should wrap up this episode. I want to thank you again. And hopefully the Wild can have a winning week. Get this positive momentum in a different direction here. Keep the positive momentum going, is what I'm trying to say and get things away from how awful things were. 13 goals with St. Louis and uh, Winnipeg. Let's put that in the past and hope this uh, defensive group can step up and continue what they're doing. And the forwards can play a little smarter than they did for quite a while there, even before (laughs) the St. Louis game last week. So thanks again. We'll talk to you in a week.